Take your Bibles, if you would, while you're standing. We're going to be in 1 Peter today. We're coming to the end of this study of 1 Peter. We're in chapter 5, and Lord willing, next week we will end, end this long study that... Because of a long break that we had last year, it actually has gone a couple of years, but now we're coming to the end, and I do love teaching and preaching through books for a lot of reasons. One reason is that we come to a passage today that I normally would not um, have preached on a day like this, because it really is a word to pastors, and... Our pastor is gone, but that's where we find ourselves, and so I know that the Lord has something for us. Up to this point in his letter, Peter has really been addressing people in these churches that were scattered because of the persecution. He's been teaching them how that they could live on mission for Jesus Christ despite the persecution that was around them, how they could actually win people to Christ, win their um, uh, masters, win their spouses, win the world just by, by their Christian living and their attitude through suffering, how they could bring God glory through it. Now in chapter 5, he temporarily shifts his focus to the pastors of these churches, and he's going to give a word to them about how to lead in these challenging times of persecution. And really, um, these words, as we're going to see, will apply for all time. And I'm sure there's some future pastors, maybe some pastors in this room, but I believe that this text is going to be a source of encouragement to every single one of us today. So I hope that you won't tune me out or tune the Lord out. And it'll, if nothing else, it'll serve as a reminder for us to pray for our pastor and pray for those in leadership. You know, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy that if anyone um, desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. And that's not, he didn't say it was necessarily an easy thing, but he said it's a good thing. There's a lot of challenges in pastoring. I know of at least three different pastors just this week in the last seven days who have been um, well-known guys who have been found out, sin in their lives. They've been dismissed or um, will be, and it's just tragic. And it, just remind, it's, it ought to be a reminder as this happens more and more that, that we just need to pray. Pray for, pray for one another, really. Pray for pastors especially. But let's read this, this, this text, these first seven verses of 1 Peter chapter 5. The Lord says, through the apostle Peter, the elders which are among you, I exhort. As you would know, I'm sure elders is just another term that's for, for one that's used, several different terms that are used throughout the scripture, bishops and overseers and shepherds and pastors and elders that all have different meanings but all encompass the same office. So he says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the sufferings, or a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you 
Be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. We'll end there. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us, teach us today. Lord, I pray that we would have ready minds, ready hearts, willing to listen to what you have for us. And Lord, to take the word today and to mix faith with it, to believe what you've said, Lord, and that, it would, that we would leave here changed and challenged and helped and encouraged. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. So this letter, 1 Peter, was written during a time of persecution, which we've established already. In, in that time, there was no broadcasting of information like there is today. There was no Facebook. There was no email uh, marketing campaigns that people could just blast information. So, so letters were written like this and sent through churches. And so it, it, would, be, it would be churches that were receiving letters like this. Peter, of course, was the author under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he was a fellow pastor that's writing and, and this portion to encourage, to exhort other pastors like himself who were, who were leading in just a challenging time, a time of great persecution. And note that, that Peter calls himself, uh, in, in verse number one, he said, who also am an elder. He was a pastor he was an elder. Note that he doesn't call himself, he doesn't put himself above the other pastors. As some would say that he was the first pope. He's not above them, he's just one of the pastors. I'm writing to you, he says, you elders, who also myself am an elder. Just like them. And, and then also we should note, before we really get into the passage, whose flock it was, because it's vital that we understand that the church is not under the ownership of the pastor. Uh, and you, you know this already, but I've had people, you probably have too, many times ask about this church, who, who, who owns that? And they, they mean well, but it's, it's not a man's church. This is not a man's church, and no church is a man's church. It's the, it, the, Peter says, Peter says, feed the flock of God. It's the Lord's church. It's not Pastor Smith's church, and the church down the road is not so-and-so's church. It's just the Lord's church. And I, and I try to avoid and um, even using that phrase, even though we do it in, in, with good intentions because it identifies a church. He goes to so-and-so's church, or they go to or so-and-so's church. And we do that with good intentions, but if we're not careful, then we can start to think like that church actually belongs to the man that's standing up and preaching. And it's not his church. It's the Lord's church. It's the Lord's church. Feed the flock of God. It's also important that pastors understand that it's not their flock because if a pastor understands that it's the Lord's flock, it will affect how he leads, right? It'll affect. If you, if you have something that belongs to you, you're going to treat it differently than you might treat something that you have temporary stewardship over that belongs to somebody else. If I borrow something from you and use it, I'm going to be more delicate with it. I'm going to, I'm going to treat it better than I would if it were my own. If a, if a company... If a man owns a company or, or, or a lady owns a company, then they're going to do everything they can to grow the company, to build the company, to build a profit. 
but the, but the pastors of God's churches don't do everything that they possibly can just to grow a, 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 a building or a number of people or, or to grow a profit. We pastors lead according to the, the instructions that God has given us because it's not the pastor's church, it's the Lord's flock. He does it God's way. Notice also in verse number two that the elder here is among the flock. Feed the flock of God which is among you. So, so the pastor is not somehow separated from the rest of the flock. He's part of it. He's a member of the church. Just every pastor is a member of his church, just like you and I are members of churches. Although he may stand elevated by a few feet so that the people in the back can see and the people in front of them don't obstruct the view. He is a member of the church, right? He is one of us. We had a preacher here many years ago who taught on Psalm 23, and he said that the pastor ought to smell like the sheep because he's been around them. He smells like them. The shepherd, the shepherd smells like the sheep because he spends time with them. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul was writing to that church that he had started, that planted in Thessalonica, and he said, the, he said, our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Paul had been defending himself in this letter against accusations that had been thrown at him, and he said, you know the kind of people we were. You know that stuff's not true, and the reason you know the kind of people we are is because we were among you. We were with you. We didn't segregate ourselves from you. We were with you. Now, let's look at what the responsibilities are of the elders, the pastors, given to us here in 1 Peter chapter 5. The first one that we see is to feed the flock. Verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you. This is a, a, a primary responsibility of the pastor to feed the flock. That is to help to give them nourishment. Now, Peter, again, Peter is the one penning these words. He called himself an elder. And yet, if you were to rewind his life by more than 30 years, he was a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ. He had made a grave error in denying the Lord, remember when Jesus was on trial, Jesus told him, you'll deny me before the, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me thrice. And Peter said, no, no, I'll never do that. I'll never deny you. And yet three different times, just as the Lord had said he would do, he denied the Lord. And, and then Jesus, of course, was crucified and three days later raised from the dead. And a short time later, Jesus comes and he finds Peter and some of the disciples had gone back to their own, own life fishing, remember? And, and Jesus calls them to him, He was cooking breakfast up on the, on the shore, and he called him to him, and he, and he said, Peter, and he looked at Peter, and he said to him, Peter, do you love me? And, and, and Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And, and, and just, as, just as Peter had denied the Lord three times, the, Jesus said to him three times, no doubt to just press this into his memory, three different times he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter three different times said, you know that I love you. And then Jesus three different times said to him, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. By the way, who was it again that, that who, whose sheep were these? Whose lambs were these? They were, they were not Peter's, even though Peter was going to lead that church there in Jerusalem. They were not Peter's sheep, they were the Lord's, feed my lambs. Sheep, And now, the, all these years later, that same Peter is sending a message out to all of these pastors that are scattered all around. 
And he's saying to them, this is your duty. Feed the sheep. Feed the flock of God. Nothing is more important for the pastor than to feed the flock of God. I'm exhorting you, he said. I'm encouraging you. I'm asking you, feed the flock. And what, and what does the pastor feed us? How does he feed us? Well, if we turn back a couple of pages in 1 Peter to chapter 2, we have a word about nourishment, spiritual nourishment. 1 Peter 2.2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So our nourishment, our spiritual nourishment comes from the word of God. How are, how are these pastors to feed the Lord's flock? They're to feed them with the word of God through the preaching of the word. If a preacher stands up and he preaches, but he doesn't preach the word of God, he may be saying words, but he's not feeding the flock of God. He may be telling stories that bring people to tears or make people laugh or, or motivate people, but if he's not preaching the word, then he's not feeding the flock. He's not doing his responsibility. There is nothing more important that a pastor does than, than feeding the sheep, feeding the flock, and he does that through the word of God. And as members of this church, we need to believe that and embrace it, that there's nothing that the pastor does that's more important than feeding the flock. There's nothing more important to your nourishment, to your spiritual nourishment, to your family's spiritual nourishment than the word of God, than feeding on the word of God. That's one of the reasons that we make assembling together such a priority. Because we, we, we enjoy the fellowship, yes. We love one another. We enjoy the fellowship. We need it. But we need to be fed. This is not the only nourishment that we get, but it, it is, this is a source of, of spiritual nourishment that we get, which is the word of God from the mouth of the pastor. This is a huge part of God's plan for growing his people. And by the way, if it's... The most important thing on the pastor's schedule is preaching. Then, then we have to understand that preparation for preaching is also extremely high on the important scale of the pastor. A good pastor, a good leader, isn't just, um, you know, we were we were talking just before this about warming up sermons, nuking them in the microwave. If, if all a pastor does is come and, and gives you something that he found somewhere else, there are, there's been, in, in recent days, there have been some things come to the surface, some well-known pastors who are preaching week after week to their congregations, but they're not, they're not sermons that God has given them, but they're things that they've, they've found online, they've found on the internet, they're out of books that they've read, and this, this really spiritual plagiarism that's going on and, and that's not a good thing. God, God leads men to, in the word, he gives them messages from the word, and then they're to take that and, and, and feed it to, to, to us. So, so what I'm saying is that the, the, the preaching, if the preaching is valuable, then the time spent in preparation for the preaching is valuable as well. And so we, 
ought to do all that we can to help the pastor as, to, to have the time to prepare. We ought to pray for his preparation. Pray that he would have the food, the nutrients, the spiritual nutrients that we need. Pray that he spends a lot of time in the kitchen, mixing the ingredients and baking it slowly. Sometimes it's a long process. It's, a, it's surprisingly perhaps a long process. So we would do well to do everything we can to encourage that process, to give focused time. And so, so, so the Word of God is our spiritual nourishment, which part of the Word of God is our spiritual nourishment. And we would say all of it, right? All of it. All Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable. All of it for exhortation and doctrine and all of these things. Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul said, I've, I haven't stopped giving, I haven't held anything back. It's all good and it's all for you. So the, so the pastor, the elder, is to feed the flock. But as I've already mentioned, it's not the only part of the nourishment process. We have to, we have to eat it as well, right? We have to want to eat it. That's why Peter in 1 Peter 2 said, as newborn babes desire it. We have to want it. We have to want to take what's, what's coming at us. It's just like, just like you can read your Bible without a desire to read your Bible, and you're not going to be fed from the Word. You're going to read it, but you're not going to be fed because you have no appetite for it. So we have to have, we have, to have a desire, just like a, a newborn baby has a desire. We have a desire, and the same is true when we come together and the pastor has prepared something to preach to us, just because it's preached, though, doesn't necessarily mean that we're being spiritually fed. We have to have a desire for it. We have to want it. And part of that is just being here. And I think the fact that we're here is evidence that we have a desire to be fed from the Word of God. Or else we would be somewhere else. So the, the, the pastor is to feed the flock. Not only that we see that they have a responsibility to be overseers. Back, uh, back to chapter two of verse, or, uh, chapter 5 and verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you. And then he says this, taking the oversight thereof. So they're not just feeding, but they're also overseeing. They're shepherds. That's the, that's the imagery that we get. Feed the flock of God. These are, these are sheep, God's sheep. And he has, he has given his, uh, um, a pastor to each church to be an overseer for them. And, and that word overseer is not just a ca casual observer. That's just sort of out there and um, they're, they're out in the field, but they're you know, reading a book. We're not really paying attention. But, but in fact, the same word is, is translated in the book of Hebrews as looking diligently. This is, what the, this is what the pastor does. He preaches, he feeds the word, but he's also looking Diligently. So even though he's among the flock, like we talked about, we saw earlier, he's not just, just hanging with the flock. He's diligently observing the flock, keeping a watchful eye primarily for those that would come in from outside to try to harm the flock. Turn, if you would, we're going to come back here, but if you would, turn to Acts chapter 20, and, and we see some very similar language Paul, this time, is, is giving an exhortation to the elders at Ephesus. He's about to leave them, and it was a hard goodbye. He loved them, and they loved him. And so he's given some departing words to them in Acts chapter 20. 
And you're going to see a lot of similarities in what he said and what what Peter said. But verse 28 of Acts chapter 20 says, Take heed, or be careful, or be cautious. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So we see all these similar things. The Holy Spirit appointed you here, but it's, but it's not really your overseers, but it's not really yours because it actually was purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. It was his blood. He's the owner. Verse 29. What are they supposed to be taking heed? Why are they watching? Verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. People are going to come in, even perhaps some of you or those that are around you, and they're going to draw away disciples. Those that are followers of Jesus Christ, they're going to pull them away. Therefore, he says, watch. Watch. And remember... That by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. These pastors in Ephesus were to be overseers, to be watchful, to protect because false teaching is all around us. People would come in with false teaching and in this day people would come in with false teaching. They had to be aware of it. How much more dangerous are we in, in 2020? One, when you have access to all kinds of crazy ideas and theology on your phone and on your TV and on your computer, you can pick up and listen to any preacher you want in the world, and they're not all teaching the same thing. And so what, what, what Paul is saying to these, these pastors in Ephesus is, I, I got to leave you. We spent a lot of time together. I've taught you. I've taught you well. But now I have to leave. And I, and I know this, he said, that there are going to be wolves that come in. And they're going to come in for the, for the purpose of trying to steal people away. Steal people away. Steal disciples away. Lead people away. And so I'm telling you, pastors, you are to keep a watchful eye over them. The Holy Spirit has appointed you to be overseers, diligently looking out and keeping an eye and trying to protect these sheep that have been put in your care. This is not a passive role. There are some people who want a pastor who will come and prepare and preach a message on Sunday and then just sort of disappear from their lives for the rest of the week and then show up again on Sunday and preach a good message and let's all go and everybody just do our own thing. We'll hang out with our family for the next week and you guys hang out with your family and everyone just do their own thing. Pastor can go and do whatever he does and then we'll reassemble and do it all again on, on, on Sunday. But the, the problem with that is that the, the church doesn't cease to be the church on Monday. The, the pastor doesn't cease to be the pastor on Monday. We are the church of God and we are not just the church of God on Sunday from, from 10 o'clock to 12 and from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock and on Wednesdays from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. No, we are all the time. And so the pastor, a good pastor, a good shepherd is always looking diligently trying to keep false doctrine, false theology, false prophets false Christians from really coming in and and drawing people away. 
There's, there are others who want just the opposite. They want a pastor who's involved with every single aspect of life, coming to every event and birthday party and dropping the hat, coming at, every, you know, at the drop of a hat. But it, it's important that we see the balance. That there, 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 are two primary, there are two primary roles that we see, responsibilities. One is preaching the word, and that we want to keep that foremost, but also understanding that he also is to be keeping a, a diligent eye, and, and that's a good thing. It's a God-ordained thing. We heard a message last week from Acts chapter 6. Um, I think it was Sunday night when the apostles were getting spread too thin in the church at Jerusalem and there was some infighting going on. Some of the widows were being neglected and so they came together and the, appointed some men who would be overseers of, of these things for, the, for, for this reason, they said, so that we may give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This was, again, this was the focus and if, if, if we have a pastor who's primary, primarily focused on prayer and on the ministry of the word, then we have a good thing. This, is, this, is what, this ought to be our desire. And we may want other things. We may want him to do this and this and this and this and this and this, and, and, that's, and that's okay. But, 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 but if we can ever say that our pastor, his primary focus is prayer and the ministry of the word, then just know then that, that that's a blessing. That's the kind of pastor that we, that we want. He's, he's dedicated to preaching the word to us. I believe we have that. And then he says this in verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. And then he's going to say how not to do it. Not by constraint, but willingly. So the elder, the pastor, the shepherd, the overseer, should not administer his responsibilities, whether feeding the flock or overseeing out of compulsion or obligation because he feels like he has to, but rather willingly because he wants to, because he wants to glorify God. I'm sure there are a lot of, I think most people who become pastors do so because they have a calling from the Lord. They believe God has brought them to this. I doubt there are many people, although I'm sure there are some who begin pastoring out of obligation. Maybe they just were cornered or somebody asked them to and they didn't know how to say no. I'm sure that happens. But for the most part, I think people who who are are leading a congregation are doing it because they believe that's what God has called them to do. But over time, just like with other jobs, if we look at it just like a job, it can become, you you can imagine how it would become just sort of an obligation, just something I've got to do. This is what I've always been doing. This is what I've always done. And what Peter is warning these pastors about is do the duties, feed the flock, keep the oversight, but don't allow yourself to come to the place where you're doing it simply out of obligation, doing it simply out of because you have to, but rather, he said, do it willingly because you want to. And the next phrase is something that's very similar, not for filthy lucre, he said, but of a ready mind. Don't ever get to the place where you're leading simply because you're trying to fill your pockets or you're doing it again because it's a job, but do it because you want to do it. Do it because God has called you to it. Do it to bring him glory. Do it with your whole heart because you want to, because you're compelled to. I don't spend my time Often, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about, I try not to spend a lot of time thinking about pastors in other places because this is where God has put us. This is, this is where we are. But it is sad to see how many of these, especially these 
prosperity preachers that are just preaching and, 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 and their whole message or such a large part of their message is just give, 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 give so that God will give, give so that God will give. And then, and then, and then and you find out that the money is not really going to the church, to the ministry. It's going to fill their pocket. This, this is what he's talking about. Not for filthy lucre, not for greed, not to fill your, not to fill your purse, not, not to pass your retirement, but do it of a ready mind, of a willing mind, because you want to do it. And we would all agree with that, I'm sure. And then he says this in verse 3. Those are the responsibilities of the leaders, but, but, he, but, he, but he gives the, the, the attitude here of, of a godly leader as well in verse number 3. And you get back to 1 Peter 5. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. Pastors are not to act as kings who lord over a territory but they're to be instead examples to the flock. And, and again, notice Peter's reminder again that it's God's heritage. It's God's possession. It's God's church. This pastor that Peter is talking to, these pastors, they're not looking out for their own interest. They're not trying to add to their own wealth. Rather, he sees himself simply a steward of God's heritage. God has given me something, and I'm to be a good steward over it. I'm not to, so they're not to lord over it, but they're to lead really from within. And, and it goes back, if you were here at Sunday school this morning, Jason preached a, a, about investing all that we have into the kingdom, not living for self. And so this message is to pastors. This section is, is, to, is to pastors. And he's saying, um, you know, don't lord over God's heritage, Recon, but do it willingly. Don't do it to pad your own accounts, but do it willingly. But the, but the message really is, is for all of us, whatever God has put us over, whatever area we're, we, we are stewards over, we ought to understand that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's really his. He's allowed us to be stewards of something, and we have the responsibility to recognize this is not really mine. This is not even my job. It's not my house. It's not, these, these, my children are really his children. My car is not really my car. It's, everything is his, and that will affect the way that we steward what God has given us. And that's the message that he's given to Peter, or Peter's given to these pastors. They're not really yours. They're God's heritage. Be an example, he said in verse 3. Be an example. So, so while, the, while the words that he speaks, he's feeding the flock, are important, don't neglect who you are. What you do is just as important as what you say. Maybe, perhaps we could say, more important. Your actions speak louder than your words. The pastor is to be an example. He's to be a model. He's to be a pattern. The, the Apostle Paul could say with confidence, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm following him, follow me. That's the example of the pastor. And, and, and there ought to be the desire of every church pastor to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And it ought to be the desire of every Christian to be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. We talked about that Wednesday night, discipleship. Discipleship is taking people along a journey with us. But we can't take people on a spiritual journey with us if we're not on a spiritual journey ourselves. We can't lead others and be examples to others if we're not, or we shouldn't be, if we're not following after Christ ourselves. So, so he's telling them, feed the flock, be overseers, not, don't be lords, but be instead lead by example. Not in pride, but in humility. It's sobering to think that people are watching you, isn't it? 
It's sobering as, as for, for a pastor to think that people are watching you all the time, not just when you're standing up here and preaching, but all the time as, as, a, as a leader, as an overseer, people are watching you and people start to sort of take on the mannerisms of the pastor. But, but again, I say that this is for all of us. We're all to be examples and we ought to be sobered and, and humbled, humbled to think that people are watching me. People are watching me. What kind of example am I giving them? And sometimes as churches grow larger and larger and larger and larger, the, the, the pastors can get further and further away from the people. But the message is clear from Peter that it ought not to be that way because the pastors are to be examples. And you cannot follow an example of someone that you cannot see. Pastors are to be near the people, easily in view, accessible, making disciples, so we looked at the responsibilities of the elders to feed the flock, to be overseers, the attitude of the flock, not as lords over God's heritage, but as examples to the flock. And then verse 4, we see the reward of the elders. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This is a reward that comes from the chief shepherd, from Jesus himself. And I say again that although pastors are given the charge of leading various congregations around the world, we, each of us belongs to the chief shepherd, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church, he's the head of the body. And one day he's going to award those who lead faithfully, who steward his church as well. They're gonna receive a crown of glory. There are several crowns that are mentioned in the scripture. This is a particular one for these pastors. But we, we, one thing we do know is that all of us are going to stand before God one day, aren't we? And we have to all give an account. We'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, those of us that are saved. And 2 Corinthians says, Everyone may receive the, receive the things done in his body according that he, that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We'll be rewarded for the way that we lived this life. All of us are going to stand before God. And for those elders, these who elders who rule well, they're going to receive a crown of glory. And, and I'm sure pastoring has never been easy. But you can imagine what it must have been like for these pastors leading in, these, in this time of great persecution. And... And um, members of your congregation, no doubt, are being persecuted, maybe even killed. And you're trying to be faithful and you're trying to encourage them. And, 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 and Peter's encouraging them, you know, you need to be an example. You need to be an example. Don't be afraid, be an example. But then he ends here with this crown of glory for each of them that fades not away. You know, the Olympics are coming to a conclusion, and you've probably seen these crowns that were, were, were used in, in ancient Greek Olympics, these made out of an olive tree or something where they'd be woven together and placed on their head. And, and, and so no doubt as, as Peter's writing these words, that's what they're, they're thinking about, these crowns that are, you win them for winning some competition, but after a while they're, they're no longer 
valuable. And so what he's telling them is you're going to get a crown for your faithfulness, but it's not going to be like the crown that the Olympians wear that maybe they could hang up on the wall, but eventually it's going to disintegrate and go into the ground and be gone. This is a crown that never will fade away. This is an incorruptible crown. This is a crown that, that will always, that you will have for all eternity. He kind of goes full circle. In, in, in verse 1, Peter says, the elders which, which are among you I exhort, who also am an elder. And he said, I'm, he said, a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He was a witness to Christ's sufferings. He was an eyewitness to what Christ had gone through. The chief shepherd, he saw the chief shepherd being beaten and, and, and mocked and, 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 and just tortured. He saw that crown of thorns go on his head. He, saw, he, he was observer from a distance. But then he says, I was a witness of the sufferings of Christ, but I was also a partaker, I will be a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. All throughout this book, there's been reminders because these, the, the, the Christians who, who, who are reading this, the, the Christians who were reading this initially were a suffering people greatly suffering and so that's why much of the book is about much of this letter is about suffering and how to suffer well and and so what he's reminding these these pastors and these people even though you've lived in suffering there's a crown that's waiting for you for your faithfulness so don't quit don't give up and then we'll get into this next week but I want to just conclude with reading verses five and six because there's really something for all of us here Five, chapter 5, verse 5, likewise, he said, Ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. The, the primary focus of these first four verses of this chapter has been to the pastors of these churches but we, we're, to be, we're reminded here that it's the responsibility of every single one of us to humble ourselves, to submit ourselves to one another, to act in humility. None of us is better than the next person. And we're to all, humble ourselves ultimately under God's almighty hand. God is the ruler. That's the reminder again. God is the ruler. And so we're to give honor. Pastors are to lead well and we're to give honor to the pastor who does lead well. There are people all over the world who are looking to destroy pastors, looking to destroy them. And, and pastors are, as I mentioned earlier, they're, they're struggling, falling into sin, getting discouraged. We've had, you've probably heard the numbers of churches that have closed down over the, throughout the pandemic experience. It's just it's it's always alarming if you if you if you hear how many churches any time that are closing, but especially during this time, it's just been overwhelming. And so, to me, this is just a reminder once again to just pray for our pastor often to honor them. That's what Timothy, or that's what Paul said to Timothy: Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those that labor in the word. Right in the word and doctrine, especially those that have the word as their focus. And then also we live with the realization that, that one day, the, even though we, 
temporarily on this life we have an overseer, but one day the chief shepherd will appear. And that word appear, I like that word because it's just it's a, it's a, it's a word that kind of just sparks suddenness, right? Just any moment. One day, the chief shepherd shall appear. And when he does, it's not just the pastors that will give an account, although they will, but each one of us, each one of us on that day will give an account for the way that we've lived this life. We will give an account. And as was mentioned earlier, there will be some things that are wood and hay and stubble, and they're going to burn up. And, and we're going to say, man, I, I just, I spent so much money on that stuff, and now it's psh, gone. I spent so much time on that, and then psh, it's gone in a second. We, we may waste an entire year of our life doing something, but just like that, it's gone. But then there are other things that we've done for the Lord, that he's done through us. By faith, the fire's going to come, and then when the fire's gone, we're going to look and we're going to say, wow, it's still there. Thank God it's still there. Thank God it's still there. We're, we're, all, going to be, we're all going to be judged for the things done good and the things done, done, done bad. And on that day, when he's going to appear... We're not going to be able to shift the blame to anybody and say, well, he never told me or she never... No, no, no. We are all going to stand before the chief shepherd. He's the one that's going to be looking at us, and he's going to be the one judging us. So let's live our lives, not for self, but for the one who willingly gave himself for each one of us. And if we'll do that, we'll live our life him first, everything else second, We'll never have a regret. We will not have regrets in eternity. Let's pray together. I'm going to pray, as always, when I finish, the piano will play, and we'll have an opportunity to come and pray at, at this altar or at your seat. And my, however the Lord is, has helps you today, I hope that you'll, you'll, you'll pray in that way, but maybe, maybe we all could just thank God for our pastor, maybe we all could just pray for him, for protection, that he would be this kind of pastor, that he would remain this kind of pastor, that pray for ourselves, maybe that we wouldn't distract him from the things that are the most important things. God, we thank you for our church, thank you for your word, we thank you for the pastor that you've given to us, and we're just grateful, Lord, and I, and I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be the kind of church that's pleasing to you. We want to be a, a, a pure bride before you, and we're looking for the day when the chief shepherd shall appear. Help us not to get so caught up in our own lives that we fail to Remember that you are the one who owns it all. You are the one who's over all. Lord, I pray that you, you would um, just work in a way that would please you today. As the piano plays, if you would like to come forward and pray, you're more than welcome to do that. If you need someone to talk to, come forward. Spend a few moments. Thank God for his word.